Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Plus Podcast. Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimano, Hannah Yates, and Andy Moeller. And this uh, past weekend, we kind of felt like being shaken out of a winter stupor. We finally have some Cardinals news to talk about. And oh boy, what news it is. They finally went and did it, those mad men. They got Nolan Arenado from Colorado in what on paper, at least it's, well, it's just reported now. We're waiting for everything to be worked out to get the final say. But it looks like a heist by Bill DeWitt, Mo, John Mozeliak, and the Cardinals. Frank, uh, obviously this had been talked about for years and years, but it finally happened. What was your initial reaction when you heard the Cardinals actually did it? Well, I was absolutely stunned. I just, if you look at all the elements involved, you just say to yourself, how in the heck did Colorado do this? I mean, not only are you getting a guy who could end up with 500 home runs and maybe a Hall of Famer, but they're giving you $50 million and you're not giving them Nolan Gorman or Matthew Libitor or any of your prize prospects. Uh, as somebody said today uh, on a talk show, it may be the worst trade since Babe Ruth was traded by the Red Sox. You, uh, you made this point uh, on your final uh, final thought for Sports Plus, and I wrote something on it that's going to come out when the the uh, deal is officially announced. But DeWitt and Mosellock deserve a lot of credit here, especially Bill DeWitt, where a lot of owners are sitting on their hands, not wanting to do anything. They're, they should be able to keep their payroll pretty low this year. But this is going to be a financial contribution here of quite a large scale. Well, yeah, it's, it's real easy. The key number here is 150. Okay, so the Cardinals lost out on $150 million in revenue uh, from all reports by not having people in the stands last year. What do they do? They add basically $150 million of this contract. So say what you will about Bill DeWitt, but in my lifetime, he's the best owner we've ever had in St. Louis. Hannah, how much more excited are you for the 2021 Cardinals season on now on on a Monday when we're recording this than you were on on a Wednesday <laughs> when nothing was happening. Well, I feel like the last time we really talked about this, we're like, will Wainwright and Molina both even be back as St. Louis Cardinals next season? And I think underneath it all, everyone knew that they were really going to come back. But now that you really have that, you know, at least part of that totally solidified and ready to go. And then everything just kind of blew up out of nowhere. You have a guy um, now coming to the team that just brings so much excitement after a super dull off season that really just took a 180. Andy, it's easy to have uh, a short memory and live in the moment, but we've seen on paper what the trade's going to look like, and obviously things still have to be finalized. But this really does look like an all-time steal. You know, I I would almost go to the point of saying that uh, the this could make people forget Brock Fabrolio, or at least it would be their generation's Brock Fabrolio. Um, I, I, there's, there is not one thing on there to say, boy, we're sure giving up a lot. I'm, it's almost like the Cardinals pushed all the assets to the center of the, of the table and the Rockies just pushed it back. Yet. No, 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 no. We don't want that much. Some of the names being thrown around, like we said, not finalized yet. Austin Gomber, who good pitcher, but not one of your top prospects. Luke and Baker, who's a first baseman with some power. Jake Woodford, another pitcher, but not one of your top prospect pitchers. And then uh, John Torres, a really young outfield prospect. But like Frank mentioned, none of the big three guys, which a year or two ago, you thought at least one of them would have to be included to well, get this done. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, Frank. I don't know how the 
Colorado cannot say we have to have Nolan Gorman because we're giving up our third baseman of the future. How do they not say that? And in return, how would the Cardinals not say, okay, yeah, we'll do it. I mean, sometimes you just got to ask and they didn't ask. And thank God for that. Cardinals also kept their two top catching prospects, uh, Herrera and Kisner, not mentioned to be involved in this. So that's pretty amazing. Also, um, Frank, what does this do to the Cardinals world series window? Can one player make that big of a difference? Well, okay, so you wake up this morning clearly better than anybody in the Central. Do you wake up this morning as good as the Padres and Dodgers? No, but what the Cardinals have going for them, and the commission, the Hall of Famer actually said this on the radio, is that he doesn't believe, and I don't believe either, that all those guys that were so bad offensively last year can be as bad this year. So Paul DeYoung is a good hitter. He's going to get better. Tyler O'Neill is not going to hit 170. He's going to get better. I think Tommy Edmond had an off year too. He's going to get better. And what the the one couple of things that the one thing the Cardinals have that really is a, a potential for being really special is that Alex Reyes one day is going to have a full season where he's not going to get hurt. He is a magnificent talent. Jordan Hicks has been out for two years. He is a magnificent talent. I mean, the Cardinals have a chance to be really, really special pitching. And if these hitters just are pretty good, well, then maybe you got a shot. I happen I, to be the conductor of the Alex Reyes hype train, so I, I appreciate that very much. Andy, were you chiming in there? Well, I was. I, I, I kind of want to second, you know, what, what Frank was saying there. And also, when you consider the fact that this is a team that's probably going to be, uh, you know, ex, uh, expecting to win via pitching and defense. Uh, so when you've got Paul Goldschmidt, Gold Glover at first base, you you know, if you can bring back Colton Wong, Gold Glover second base. Uh, Paul DeYoung, very good defensively short, defensive shortstop. Nolan Arenado, the best third baseman of his generation. I mean, you're talking about a lot of balls that are not going to leave the infield um, and which is going to make the pitching staff better. And so, I, you know, again, if this, if the offense can contribute even a little bit of improvement, I, you know, I don't, I don't know why the, the Cardinals couldn't uh, give the Padres and the Dodgers a little bit of a tougher. A lot of comparisons to that 80s infield, at least defensive-wise, going around the last couple of days. Okay, the Cardinals made some more news at the end of last week. Adam Wainwright is back on another $8 million guaranteed. Uh, the expectation is Yachty's going to join him, possibly at the end of playing in the Caribbean Series for Team Puerto Rico. Hannah, Wayno is our guy. You couldn't really ever picture him in another uniform, could you? No, absolutely not. I think that's just, it's the Cardinal tradition in so many ways. And I think that's really what we keep hitting on is just the excitement this year to have both of those guys back together, potentially of what we're seeing, that'll be the case. Um, and then to, you know, add an Arenado and someone like that here, who's kind of that blue collar type of player in terms of, of his mentality for the game, the Cardinal tradition, I think you'll fit in perfectly, but I don't think there's any other way for an Adam Wainwright. I feel like he has to end here. There has to be a statue. There has to be this whole just exciting ending to his career. And I don't think that could have happened any other way. Frank, you talked to Wainwright almost like, I don't know, almost out, just like a day before he signed the contract. Um, and he's coming back. He's healthy. He wants to win another championship. And I've got to think, especially listen to him. I think he got a little preview of the Arenado deal coming down. He knows the Cardinals want to give him the send-off of winning another title. 
Yeah. Oh, Frank, Frank you're, muted. You're, on, you're on mute there. I don't know if it could have gone any other way. Um, I'm not sure if he'll get the statue because he's not a Hall of Famer, but he's, I mean, look, if you're talking about the greatest Cardinal pitchers of all time, if you have a Mount Rushmore, it's Bob Gibson, it's Dizzy Dean, it's Chris Carpenter, and it's Adam Wainwright. Tudor was really good, but not here quite long enough. I think that's my Mount Rushmore pitchers. How about you, Andy? Um, yeah, I think you would probably have to, you know, the only the only one, and it's to the point of where does, you know, anybody remember him, but it would be Mort Cooper uh, oh, you yeah. know, from, from the 40s. But I think, you know, certainly Dizzy Dean, um, I have no argument with Chris Carpenter. Uh, Bob Gibson should be, you know, the, 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 the George Washington of Mount Rushmore. And then, uh, you know, and then Wainwright. I Certainly he'll go in the all Cardinals soundbite Hall of Fame. No Absolutely. question about it. Carlton not here long enough, but he'd be up there. And it, you could even discussion there. I'm a big Bob Forsch guy, and he holds a lot of, he holds a lot of those counting stats records for the Cardinals, so you could look at him too. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk some blues, quick blues thoughts. Hannah, we've been waiting for the Jordan Cairo breakout for a while. It seems like we've been hearing about him forever. Now he's getting his chance. Five goals, tied for the team lead in points. That show in the first period in Anaheim the other night when he scored two goals and could have easily had a, had a third was just really fun to watch. What's clicking for him? What do you see? I think that there's just a lot of growth, and I think the key is finally his confidence. I think last season there's a lot of hype around him. People talked about him for at least two seasons prior. He comes up, he plays in 28 games, nine points throughout that 28 games, and now he already has 10 points through his eight games as a Blues this season. And I think there's just a lot of confidence. He put on, he said, nearly 15 pounds during the offseason, and I think he really just worked on that game. But I think confidence is key right now for him. He's a lot of fun to watch. And Andy, we talked about this to open the season. It looks like it's going to be a tale of two schedules for the Blues. Bad teams like Anaheim that the Blues just destroyed over the weekend. And then big-time must-see matchups against Vegas and Colorado. That's kind of what we've seen so far. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And it was good to see that the, the Blues finally could win a, the second of a of a back-to-back -back game. Um, if nothing more than just, you know, for the psychological thing. You know, it, it was it was funny because if you if you take a take a step back from it, you know we're we're worried that the Blues can't finish back to back you know uh, uh, series or whatever, and they're and they were four two and one at that time at that point. So um, you know the two wins over Anaheim, yeah, you you almost got to just lock up. They got to win nine out of every ten games, and then maybe you break even against the the Colorados and the Vegas. Let's talk Super Bowl now. It is Super Bowl week. Not the most important thing going on in the game, but a St. Louis native is going to be a champion. Parkway got two guys in there. Colin Saunders, he's on the practice squad for the Chiefs, but he won a ring last year trying to repeat. Blaine Gabbert, of course. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit. And then another, another fellow on the Chiefs, Ahmad Hicks, is going to spotlight this week. But Blaine Gabbert, Frank, we were just talking. He is one hard hit to Tom Brady away from – being in the Super Bowl, trying to win. His story in football is pretty crazy. Uh, it really is. And, you know, Tom Brady, he's just a hit away from playing in the game, which would be really crazy. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was the 10th pick in the draft in 2011. So he's had a 10-year career. 
And this is his, I guess his 15, Jacksonville, San Francisco, Arizona, Tennessee, and Tampa. And, you know, he hasn't, you know, I don't think he's like exceeded expectations, but if you can last that long, and if coaches like Bruce Arians want you on your team for a long time, you're doing some, some good things. He's thrown for about 10,000 yards, you know, 50 touchdowns. It, it could have been more, but you know, you're still making money and he's in his thirties. I, I salute him on a fine career. We were just joking. Mizzou quarterbacks know how to make a good living being a backup in the NFL. If Gabbert wins, you'll have Daniel and Gabbert with, with Super Bowl rings and have stuck around for a long time, made a lot of money and not, not really had too many injury concerns. Hannah, what about this year's Super Bowl has you most excited? I think it's just the storyline in general. I think you have a Pat Mahomes and a Tom Brady, and I just think that matchup, you've seen all the memes on ESPN of like the old Yoda and young Yoda, and I just love it. I, I think they're fantastic, but there's so much excitement there. But it's really, I mean, everything about the depths of the Chiefs, but I think everyone's focus is on Tom Brady. Can he lead this team to a Super Bowl? Does this solidify him with this new legacy that he's been trying to prove? Like, will this be the end for him? And I just think it's a great storyline. You just alluded to my next question. Uh, Andy is our resident historian. As Tom, Tom Brady's already done enough, at least in my opinion, to be the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, does he need this? What would a win do for his legacy? I mean, he doesn't have to prove anything anymore, but what would this do for his whole story? Well, I think it just it just enhances it certainly because the what's the talk been every year up until this year Brady and Belichick that they were a, that they were a team effort in in leading the Patriots to these Super Bowl wins. Well, Belichick, uh, you know, fought struggled with five hundred all year without Brady, and Brady's on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl without Belichick. So. I think it, it certainly enhances, uh, you know, Brady's standing uh, with another win. I don't think he needs it, um, but it'll be real interesting, you know, because you'll have the, you know, you have the, the present past, if you want to call it that, of Tom Brady against the present future of Patrick Mahomes. And I'd say Mahomes needs it more than, more than Brady does to start establishing his own claim to one day be the GOAT. But, you know, let me make one other one other point here. You know, we're talking about the, the, the cool things about the Super Bowl. Something to consider. How many people would have would have believed that uh, back in August, say, that the NFL would have gotten through this complete season? I mean, they are right now on the cusp of having, you know, gotten through a seven, you know, 16-game schedule and all the playoffs and uh, they certainly had to, you know, had to move the chess pieces around a little bit, but I'd say it's pretty remarkable to, to the fact that we are at this point without any, you know, any major outbreaks of COVID or any having to stop the season, you know, in mid uh, midstream or anything like that. I think it's pretty cool. All right. That is the horn. And with it, our final buzzer segment, one last question. I saw Frank feuding with, uh, well, not really feuding. He was just kind of defending himself against some of those darn Illini fans on Twitter. Um, right now, February 1st, from what we've seen, in March, which of our teams, Mizzou, SLU, and Illinois, is most equipped to make a run in March? Frank, you're up first. Well, it, it, look, Missouri has achieved the most this season. They have had the best season. But if, if I'm laying my cold, hard cash down, 
I'm betting on Illinois because they have, you know, the great closer in Io DeSumo, and they got five stars. I, I think Illinois still has the best chance to get to the Final Four, but I love Missouri's season even more, and I just want to see SLU on the court more. Hannah? You know where my loyalty lies, Corey. I'm going to have to go with Missouri. <laughs> um, I'm going with Missouri. I am. I just, if they can play consistently, I think that's the biggest downfall. I know Frank's going for Illinois because of the pieces. I really think Missouri, the pieces are there. They just have to play consistently, and I think they make the run. Andy? I would have to say Illinois probably has the best shot. They seem to have the most depth and uh, you know, they have the big horse in the middle and they have the, the you know, they have the game changer in DeSumo. Um, you know, I love the Mizzou story, though. Uh, you know, if, if they can just keep it going and and who knows, maybe this is just, you know, this springboard that, uh, that Jeremiah Tillman is on is just going to get uh, get even a little better. Um, you know, they, they would be the surprise team. Uh, and I, you know, I would love to see SLU get in and at least win a game. Uh, you know, or two to reward, you know, this great class, um, you know, and Travis for all the work that he's put in for it. But anyway, the short answer to my short answer is, yeah, I'd have to go Illinois. At the beginning of the year, I would have taken out of all three of these teams, I would have taken SLU still because I think they have the deepest roster. But like Frank said, we haven't been able to see them at all. And the pandemic has just really, I hate to say it, it has wrecked their season. They're still very highly thought of they're going to make the tournament but i don't know what we're going to get from them the rest of the way because it's a pretty substantial mountain to climb from where they were at mizzou listen if they if mark smith decides to show up and and do something and make a few threes or they find somebody else who can shoot i they're going to be one of the toughest teams to face in the tournament i don't think anybody will want to face them but I do have to go with Illinois because that talent, <laughs> they got the most talent. I can't argue with that. They showed up against Iowa. They played big games already this year that haven't gone their way, but I think they'll learn from it. So if I had to pick a team, I would pick Illinois to go the farthest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, turn in. Don't show this to anybody in Columbia. <laughs> yeah. And he says it with a Mizzou sweatshirt on. Literally, I know. I'm disappointed right now. They're going to stop you at the border, Corey, and take away your, your Tiger card. <laughs> this week on our Spotlight Conversation, we hear part of Frank's one-on-one -on -one interview with Adam Wainwright about the future and some of the most important things in his life. Here's Frank and Wayno. Do you and Yachty ever talk about a package deal, staying together? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk about it. Um, I talk to Yachty probably once every two or three days, just keeping in contact of what he's where he's heading or is he staying or what's he getting offered and and I'm doing the same thing for him just trying to keep him in the loop of what's going on and um I think that our best case scenario we would stay together um some of the offers that he got early didn't line up with some of the offers I got early and some of the offers I got late don't line up with the, some of the offers he's gotten late and so uh I don't know, man. I'm hoping for the best. We'll see what happens. Your charity, Big League Impact, supports 96 different charities around the world. You build hospitals. You build schools. What's it like looking into the eyes of these children when they see what you've done for them and you see the expression on their face? Yeah, and it's, it's a powerful thing because it really is because 
um, it's one thing to send a check in and, and, and support something. And, and we let, listen, we love that. We have to have those people, but it is another whole thing entirely to go and experience yourself and, and to see what, what actual, like when my daughters say that they're, they're starving to death. No, they're not. We've seen that. We know what it looks like. And I've taken my oldest two daughters on a mission trip with the Haiti with me. So I could show them what actual hunger looks like. You supported your teammates, Jack Flaherty and Dexter Fowler during the Black Lives Matter story last year. Take me through your process in doing that. Yeah, this, so one thing I wanted to do is get to the bottom of what they were thinking and, and where their feelings were coming from. And in no way, shape or form, no matter, and, and some people just won't, re, they just refuse to hear this from me, but no way, shape or form was I supporting the Black Lives Matter uh, a matter organization at all. Um, there's some things that they stand for that that maybe I don't, but what I do stand for and what I do appreciate is that Black Lives do matter. And that my message to my teammates was, let me hear your heart on this. Where do you stand on it? All right, you're hurting right now. Man, let me hurt with you. Let me let me in on some of that. And so just recalling some of the past memories and moments that Dexter Fowler and my old friend Jason Hayward had had growing up things that I have never had to worry about and and uh, and will never have to worry about just based off what I look like. It was important for me as a teammate of theirs and as a friend of theirs to stand up and, and stand by their side and let them know that I love them and that they, they mattered to me. One day you're going to be a broadcaster, but I can't picture you being in Cincinnati for five days and then going to Pittsburgh for five days. What do you think down the road when you're through playing, what's the ideal broadcasting job for you? Well, I'm not even close to being on his level, but I kind of like the, the Tony Romo situation where he's, you know, he calls a game and um, you hear him once a week or once every two weeks or a couple times a month or whatever. I mean, I have so many kids because <laughs> I have five, but it feels like I have 15 kids. So there's lots of stuff going on and I've got to be here for some of that. So to be able to pick my own hours is going to be a key it's going to be a key thing. And I just, I want to be dad. You know, I grew up without a dad and uh, making sure that I'm, that I'm there present and being a part of their lives and going to be here to defend a, these high school boys um, that are going to try come knocking on my door to, to date my daughters. You know, I want to be able to meet them at the door with a, with a couple of fisticuffs. Final thought, when you throw your last pitch and you're walking off the field, how would you like to be remembered? with my arms up in the air with confetti coming down on me and hugging my favorite catcher with the World Series trophy about to be handed to me. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.